the most important relationship starts with yourself. Like you were saying, to go inside and find all the answers within yourself first. There's a false notion in our society. I'll take care of you if you take care of me. But the truth is, if we actually take care of ourselves first, only then can we change our life, change our homes, change our cities, our relationships, and eventually change the world. For those of you who appreciate the holistic lifestyle, you've come to the right place. Your host, Emmanuel Zavallos, is a certified emotion and body code practitioner and certified group energy facilitator. You are now listening to Healing the Healer podcast. This show is brought to you by Heal, the social media platform for those who love the holistic lifestyle. Are you tired of sharing holistic tips and getting banned or going to Facebook jail for sharing the truth? Are you tired of all the Facebook political drama? Tired of people who don't support energy healing growth? My wife Jess and I created a social media platform that was meant for people who love social media, communicating with like-minded people, and love learning hacks from other wellness practitioners. It's free to join www.haveempathyandlove.com. Plus, every week you have the option and choice to opt into a cutting-edge healing group where you get energy healing for seven days straight. Again, it's free to join www.haveempathyandlove.com. All right, everyone, we're so grateful for you tuning in. This is uh, Emmanuel from Healing the Healer podcast, and uh, so excited today. We have a special guest, uh, Lori Engel. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Okay, so Lori Engel. And um, so she's here in the studio. Uh, she is a foot sonar practitioner, a breathwork detox facilitator, a happiness life coach, who doesn't need that, and a woman's retreat leader. So I'm going to give you a formal introduction here. So it says here, Lori is a foot sonar practitioner, breathwork detox facilitator, happiness life coach, and a retreat leader who is here to guide people into the heart space and live a loving, joyful, and fulfilling life. Her healing journey began after a pivotal moment of truth that led to divorce after 18 years of marriage, giving up all security, wealth, and ability to homeschool her five children. It led her into the dark unknown, which is where she discovered breathwork and the path back to the heart space. She wishes someone would have grabbed her years ago and said, healing is as simple as breathing, surrendering, and finding yourself in your heart space. She works with women who want to discover what they most desire, women who want relief from stress, deep security, and to become empowered to write their own story and live a life from their heart space. She also works with men who want to discover the inner power to provide and protect their families, mentally, physically, and spiritually. When they find their way to the heart space, their marriages and relationships become more loving, and they become more successful in their chosen work. She lives in St. George, Utah with her five children, two dogs, and nine bunnies. Zion National Park is her playground, and as a family, they enjoy kayaking and hiking. She runs women retreats in southern Utah and has upcoming retreats in Pennsylvania, Costa Rica. We'll, we'll meet you there in Costa Rica. Uh, Belize and Tokyo. She also volunteers at Dahlia's Hope to offer foot sonning therapy to women who are in recovery from sex trafficking. So let's welcome her to Heal Healer Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. All right. We're, we're glad you're here. And so the first thing I always start off with anybody who comes in here is just, you know, it's good to kind of start in a sort of a gratitude atmosphere, you know? And so maybe you want to share with the listeners, what are three things you're, you're grateful for? Oh, I am so grateful for family. First of all, my kids are my lifeline. My kids keep me going. I am grateful for all the people who've been in my life that just make it 
fulfilling and help me see who I truly am, see myself and see them who they truly are. Um, I'd say, I don't know, the third one, I'm just, I'm just grateful overall. I'm just grateful for everything that's going on in my life, for the lessons, the journeys that I've had, where I'm going, uh, just staying present. That's awesome. I, I, I know you just, um, that third one means something because we had a little conversation. We're not going to share what that conversation was before the podcast, but let's just say that it's so interesting. Some of the best conversations happen even before the podcast starts. And we we're just talking about how, uh, you know, sometimes doors close and new doors open. Um, one of my favorite quotes um, is uh, by uh, Napoleon Hill. He says, in every adversity, there there is an equal or greater benefit. And um, we're kind of too busy looking at door, the door that closed that we're, we don't see the doors that are opening behind us, you know, in so many ways. And that's something that we just have to learn over time. That's like, where are the open doors, you know? Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I want to know kind of what's your background because, you know, I was just driving with my son to school and we were um, talking about how superheroes wouldn't be superheroes if some tragedy didn't happen to them, you know, it's like if, if Bruce Wayne's parents weren't murdered, Batman would not exist. You know, if, you know, just all these like, like weird tragedies that happen, sometimes the superhero arises, you know? And, um, I feel like with, with us in our life, sometimes things happen to us. Like you're, you mentioned here in your bio, there's, you know, a, a divorce an 18 year divorce is very, you know, heavy. Um, but what is it that kind of led you to your journey? I know obviously the divorce was, but there were probably some steps that happened to you or maybe coincidences that happened to you. You know, what was it for you that kind of like started your journey to healing? Oh, okay. Let's get raw and real here. <laughs> Let's do it. Religion. Um, and I'm not uh, anti my religion, how I was raised, but I felt like there were a lot of conformities and things that just weren't fitting with me. And I had no basis for why. It was just there were certain things that were coming to me that weren't fitting in the space from Sunday to Sunday. And I uh, I had a moment of, of truth where this thought just came to me, you cannot be who I need you to be in this relationship. And I thought, well, here we've got all this money. We've got this beautiful home and brand new cars and the pool and the kids and the vacations and all the things. How am I going to walk away from that? Like I've been a stay-at-home mom. How am I going to walk away from that? And it was really hard for me. It took me seven years from that point to get to the point where um, I just had a moment where nothing significant really happened other than I just got that feeling again. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I need to take a leap. And so I leapt and that was divorce, which again, goes back to religion. Like you don't just get divorced unless like something serious happens. So I, I'd say the catalyst really was just feeling stuck and I was tired of feeling stuck. That's interesting because um, I call it the sick and tired of being sick and tired. Or they say that the the soil for success is frustration, you know, the soil of it. Um, and and um, I went through two divorces, so, you know, I'm, I'm one up on you, uh, you know, but <laughs> um, but here's the thing is like uh, sometimes third's the charm, you know, for me, at least it was. Um, but I was going to uh, share with you that I think it's interesting that um, with the, the men and, and women phenomenon, like right now, I feel like feminine energy is rising in the earth, you know, and, and, and we know what man energy looks like, you know, and, and it's 
a lot of ego, a lot of, you know, narcissism, a lot of um, power, you know, power grabs, you know. And I feel like women is this nurturing, caring, loving thing, just like Mother Earth, you know. And I was just kind of curious with your relationship, because we did talk about it. Um, was there kind of like uh, this separation of I'm deciding to grow? And, and did that person support mm -hmm. your growth? This is a big thing. I have tons of women clients, and you have no idea how many times they ask me, can I work on my husband or can you work on my husband? I'm like, if he gives me permission, oh no, but he doesn't, he doesn't believe in this. Well, I, I can't work on him. You know, it's like, I need to have some skin in the game that like he actually says, yes, he has agency and I can't poke at his free agency. So they say, well, I'm sorry, I, I can't give that permission. Okay. Well then I can't work on him. And it hurts the woman so bad that the, the man is refusing to grow and points the fingers at her and say, you're the problem. I don't need healing. You're the problem. But I was wondering, was, was it that way with your with your partner? Was he supportive of you or was he kind of like, yeah, you go that way, I go this way? When it comes to your growth, that maybe around that time. Uh, yeah, when it came to my growth, I, um, I felt like there, again, a lot of stuckness, a lot of trapped. Like I would say, I have a feeling about this. And the response always was, um, oh, we'll Google that. And so I'm like, is Google God? Because that's <laughs> right. apparently where we're getting all of our answers. And Google and Siri are not always correct. Sorry to say. But yeah. So, you know, sometimes I would just, I would get these feelings and I, oh, I just don't feel like we should do that. Or, you know, I'm really feeling like we should probably do this or, or try this or go this way or that way. And uh, one of the biggest things was for me and this is getting really personal, I guess, but um, I was 15 and I was in a car accident and I had an out-of-body experience and I saw angels. I saw, I had a dream that it happened right before it happened. I saw the whole thing and um, and then I shut that down for a while. I mean, here I am 15 years old and after this car accident, I'm being visited by angels in the middle of the night and I wasn't believed. People didn't believe when I was saying that I was sent to a psychotherapist. I was put on medication and I'm not faulting my parents. I'm not faulting anybody. I mean, just again, in the religious background, kind of scary, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the unknown and we're afraid of what we don't know and what we can't see. And so here I am, this 15 year old girl and I'm afraid. So I started shutting it down. So here I am married and I start having dreams again about these things that are happening and I they're unexplainable. I can't explain it, but I keep having these feelings and these thoughts and I cannot ignore them. And I, I the trappedness just kept coming and coming and coming. And I thought there has got to be something else other than this and this thinking this tunnel vi vision, mm -hmm. there's got to be something bigger than what I'm seeing because I'm feeling this in my heart. I have no explanation for it. I have no direction. I have nobody around me to support these thoughts or say, oh my gosh, well, it's super simple. This is what this is. This is what that is. Mm -hmm. So as far as getting support, I had no support other than what was in my heart space. And that's why I'm so huge on staying true to what he or she is saying inside of here, inside of your heart space. What's that conversation sound like? Because that's the only support that I had. Yeah. And that must've been a very difficult thing uh, to just have just your heart space as your only support. I, I can only imagine. And especially because it's someone, you know, people who are around you who like you love them unconditionally, uh, I always say that if you really love someone, you 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 tend to love what they love, mm -hmm. you know. So if you know if someone is, 
you know, my, my wife, um, these spiritual promptings, um, they're very common in our home. And I have to respect my wife when she says something like, I have a gut feeling or I have this. She is 99.999999% right. I'm the stubborn guy that maybe I'm having a bad day and I say, um, I'm like, oh, baby, don't worry about it too much. And then the house is on fire. And she's like, she's like I told you the house was going to be on fire, you know? And so now I don't question that anymore because it's it's like it, there was a dr- – sometimes there's a very drastic things that she can feel that's going to happen. That's a gift, you know? And um, it's true. It's like you can bury the gift if people are not supportive, you know? One of the things that I did learn, though, too, is that verse that Jesus said, which is like um, you're not a prophet in your own village, you know? And it seems like whenever you, you, you're this regular person and you start having these powers or these things – they're like, wait, isn't that the girl that had a nosebleed? Like, you know, isn't that the girl that just went to that regular school and flunked school? So they start looking at sort of your past or whatever the box they put you in. And if you get out of that box, um, beware, they they kind of are hostile to you, you know, because, yes. because it doesn't fit their paradigm of who you are. So how did you kind of grow into it? How did you, I know you're talking about heart space. So maybe explain to all the listeners, like what, what's the definition of heart space? And then how do you protect it? I mean, that's kind of an important thing. I mean, I know in the body code, we have this thing called the shield and you can kind of shield yourself from other people's energies, you know, but what do you do to kind of protect your heart space? What do you, what do you, what kind of things do you do? Um, well, the, and, and going back to what you were saying about love, the, the basis, the foundation for love is truth. And truth is the foundation. You cannot have love. You cannot have genuine love. You cannot have unconditional love unless you have that truth space there, right? Mm-hmm. So the truth is the energy space that our our souls are always in. They cannot accept anything that is not true. So our heart space is our energy space. It's our it's our soul speaking to us. It's the foundation of everything, right? Your heart can live for 20 minutes without the brain. The brain can live for five minutes without the heart, but you'll start getting brain damage. So the basis being truth and staying in that space of truth, um, that's, that's my protection. That's my protection against everything is constantly checking in in here into my soul and listening. And I know what that voice sounds like now because I've ignored it enough times to know that I'm like, oh, shoot. (laughs) I just ignored it again. (laughs) Yeah. If I had just been listening, I probably wouldn't have had X, Y, Z happen. And Mm -hmm. I could have taken a a shorter route to get to where I'm trying to go to than the longer, bumpier, more hurtful route. So truth, just staying in a space of truth and constantly checking with myself. Is this a, is this a yes or is this a no? And, and just go from there. And I feel like as long as I'm staying in that place, that doesn't mean that the world's not exploding around me. But in that truth space, it's like it just creates this bubble that I don't even have to think about because I'm in truth and that's my protection. So the world's exploding around me and I'm in this little quiet bubble listening to my my whatever my daily theme song is in my head. And and so that's my protection right there, the truth space. Yeah, so I'm so interesting. This truth space, heart space, it's just great, great words and vernacular because it reminds me of just like how 
in in chiropractic work they talk about muscle testing you know like pushing on your arm and and you say your name and it's strong and then if you if you say a different name your arm goes weak and so the body is a lie detector test in many ways people have interchanged the word spirit and subconscious like they kind of say it's the same thing you know but yeah i i totally believe in you where the spirit is just it sits in truth and it, and and the more we kind of p- pay attention to it i feel like it expands where we kind of our discernment can go a little bit stronger, you know, of like, this is true, this is not true. You know, do you feel that way? Like the more you kind of keep leaning on it, it seems like you're, it it gets more empowered. Do you you believe that? Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I think the, the leaning on it, um, leaning on that, that truth in the heart, um, things don't always go as we want, as we want them to do. Even if we feel like we made the quote unquote right decision, that doesn't mean the decision that we made was wrong just because we went in a different direction. Um, but that also, it's not what we expected, to the outcome that we expected. And so um, we're sad, we're mad, we're upset, or whatever we call that heartbreak, right? Mm-hmm. So I like to look at that as heart expansion. So just like you're building muscles and your muscles tear down and then they rebuild to get stronger, and that's how you build muscle – in our heart, we're doing that same thing. So yes, we're taking this path, but we may not have chosen, you know, we may not have chosen something that turned out exactly how we thought it was going to. And then we call that heartbreak. But if, if we turn that around to heart expansion, yes, we're constantly, we're constantly growing. That makes sense. You kind of change the filter a little bit. And it's kind of like, um, there's a really cool uh, frou-frou song that says there's beauty in the breakdown, you know? And so uh, and so I think, you know, the silver lining is there. We just have to kind of seek for it, mm-hmm. um, which also kind of reminds me of the Tony Robbins quote of like, everything is happening for you or, you know, it's mm-hmm. like not, not just to you. To you is the victim mode. For you is like empowerment mode, you know? And, and um, I feel like that um, when we had a guest earlier here, Dr. Brad, he says that the goal is to have embrace everything with love good and bad just to kind of like open yourself with like kind of this like love for everything to come towards your life and i think that's that's not easy for us you know um so it's not it's a challenge you know i definitely have not been living in that realm uh i was definitely victim mode for most of my like half of my life i would say just like why is this happening to me you know i I think that's pretty normal you know at some point i have that phase but i want to talk to um to you about the um what you do to serve people. Um, let's, let's talk about, um, the first thing, because, um, I had a foot zoning experience, but I want to kind of hear it from you. Like, first of all, why foot zoning number one and number two, why should people look into it? Let's, let's try those two questions right there. Oh, foot zoning because, uh, God has a sense of humor and I actually had a phobia of feet and (laughs) I had gotten certified to do Reiki and I knew that was a stepping stone for something else. And so here it is like a year later and I'm like, okay, come on. I know that there's something else. What's my what's my next step? And, mm-hmm. um, and the thought just came to me, when you're ready, you'll know. So I go to dinner with some friends and my friend's daughter showed up for dinner. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was late. I was at my foot zoning school. And right then it was like, whoa, that's it. That's it. That's your thing. And I was like, oh yeah. And so I start asking her questions. And she says, um, call my foot zoning instructor. She's um, got a class that's starting pretty soon. And so, and she said, text her right now. I know you. And I know if you don't do it right now, you're just, you're going to forget about it and you won't do it. So I did. And I paid the non-refundable deposit immediately right then. So I was like, I'm in. So I get in two weeks later 
amazing class. I'm loving it. We're second day in, we go to lunch, we come back and she's like, Hey, we're going to go through zone one and we're going to practice on each other. And I was like, I have to touch feet. I have to touch feet. Oh my gosh. What was I thinking? It's foot zoning. Like I've had foot zoning for years. Like what was I thinking? So, but luckily, um, that was during COVID. So the women that were there, they decided to take the rest of the class at home online. And so my daughter and her husband came in and they were the models for the first session. And I had been rubbing her feet since she was a baby. So I'm like, okay, I can do <laughs> this. Feet, I can do okay. this. And it was okay. And I have never one time since looked at people's feet as um, like something repulsive or um, like this phobia that I had before, like it instantly went away. So I felt like this thing that was weak for me did become a strong thing. And there are so many cultures where feet are sacred and it's a sacred nature to be taking care of feet. There are so many ceremonies that start out where they're doing a washing of the feet. And so just being in that place, uh, where, um, people are okay with me touching their feet and they're like, Oh, I don't even know what's happening here. Whatever energy work is going on or what she's doing down there, but it feels amazing. She's massaging my feet and it feels amazing. And they're, they're relaxed when they leave. But I also have gotten to a point where people start talking, you start foot zoning and people just start talking. They're like, I have no idea why I just said that. And I'm like, I do, because that's exactly what needed to come up. That was in your conscious mind. And it's just something that needed to come out. And that's what you're here for is to clear. So you had that conversation stored in your body somewhere and we're clearing it out. So then I can use, um, I can use energy work to get in there and to feel what's deeper. If there's something generational, start helping them to process through some of that stuff. So that's why I got happiness life coach certified was so that we could take the conversation just a little bit deeper, ask some questions, have them work through something. So yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun because I think, and that's kind of crazy, that story about you getting over the feet thing. That's kind of ironic in some ways. But um, but what's interesting is um, I know that the, I've seen a poster with like kind of the feet and how different parts, you know, are, you know, this is connected to the liver and this is connected to the, you know, um, if someone comes to you and let's say, like, I've never done this before, like, you know, what it, what does it look like? like to you, I uh, like, like when you look at them, like, where's the first place you go with someone's foot? Uh, do you just say like, let's work on the emotions or let's work on the physical side? Like what's kind of like your protocol? Because I know a lot of listeners are going like, I don't, I've heard of it, but I don't know what's the process of it. So there's a mapping system. So it's a lot like reflexology. It's just a lot more detailed where reflexology is focusing on specific points of the body that might have an ailment. So a pressure is applied, blood flow and oxygen goes to that part of the body in attempts to put the body into homeostasis, which it's its natural um, way of healing, right? right? But with foot zoning, there's horizontal pulls, there's drains. And so you're literally waking up the entire body systems and pulling that toxic energy out. So sometimes I'll pull and I'll shake my hand, but uh, just to, to shake the energy out. But we start with the lymphatic system to make sure that the body's strong. So if anything else comes up in other parts of the body, your lymphatic system is already working to keep you from getting sick. Mm -hmm. So an energetic sickness, it's a real thing. 
And um, so when a lot of these physical ailments come up um, from the energy that's being released, they could get sick. So we've got the lymphatic system going first. And then it goes through every other part of the body. So all the other body systems, all of your reproductive, digestive, um, all of those things. So so there's a there's a process, and I don't just skip around the energy stuff, the emotion stuff. That just comes up. If I get to a certain part of the foot and I can feel that it's crunchy, I can feel some heat there. Um, sometimes I'll push in a certain spot and they'll just start crying. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you what it was. Let's feel into that for a minute, which is where the breathing comes in, where I'll have them start taking some deep breaths to calm And let's start talking about that. Let's start energetically connecting with each other so we can get a little bit deeper and release this emotion. So it's everything all at once. And it's just whatever needs to come up is exactly what comes up. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. So there's, there are many systems here, almost like 14 different body systems that you were, you know, you were talking about some of them. Um, I find it interesting that like, in my opinion, the old system, especially with like, let's say psychologists. And I love them because I want to give a shout out to Poppy, who's an amazing psychologist. But I think she agrees that she says something like, they use this word like neutralize really easy. Like we're going to go, you know, neutralize your past, you know. But I feel like if there's the energetic charge still in the body, um, it's kind of hard for you not to be reactive when something happens in your life that kind of has some sort of symbiotic meaning to that, you know. And so, I love what you do because what you're doing is not only are you see there I go leaning back again, um, but I love what you do because what you're doing is um, you're going through the systems, but then something may pop up which is emotionally, and then it's almost like you're you're carrying the baby like okay we're like divulging information, but I feel like it's easier for people to divulge information and tell me if I'm wrong if there's actual energy leaving their body you know because oh, yeah. because then in the future let's say you bring up that subject again, they feel very different than how they felt like before. Yeah. And the, the way that I tell my clients very simply is like, do you always want to be on stage as a reactive actor or do you want to be watching the show? And then like, that's how I used to act. And that's the trauma up there. Very right. different to be on the stage and then also sitting down. And I feel like energy work is a great bridge to get you as much times out of the stage and stop being in the moment, you know? Uh, so, um, but yeah, don't you feel like that's the case with your clients? You feel like it's easier to divulge either two things do that, either foot zoning or cutting your hair. Cause I think like, you know, women who cut hair, they, they're like, they grow up to be psychologists in some ways because they're just hearing all the baggage from like the, the women or men like you don't know what my husband did to me or whatever and she's yeah. like oh, tell me what happened you know um but um but yeah what, what's your thoughts on that this this idea of like i feel like emotional energy needs to be released and i feel like as they're releasing it talk about it i feel like it's a good combo to do some more yes. deeper work yeah um and i'm uh, I'm just going to say, like, men don't like to talk when they come in. The women, it's pretty easy for them to talk, and and they'll cry and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm actually going to get a sign on my door that says, I encourage crying, please come in, because it's yeah. the release. But um, I feel like it's easier. It's been my experience that I've seen that it's easier for women to start doing the talking, um, and that's okay. So we work through it like that. When I have men come in and I can tell that they're holding back, I can see it's like this this clenching, like, like their foot gets stiff like this. And I'm, and I'll keep going, you know, to roll it out, to relax it out. And then I'll say, let's, 
let's breathe in deep here because I'm trying to get them to relax. I'm trying to get them to connect with me. Um, And this is the beauty of the breathing is they don't have to talk to have the emotional release. We don't Mm. have to do the talk therapy to have the emotional release. So just coming into an awareness of it. So let's say I get to a part of the foot and I pick up on sexual traumas all the time, all the time. And let's just say I get to a part of the foot and I say, I'm, I'm picking up on some energy here. And if I'm picking up on, um, you know, how old were you? Three, four, five years old, something happened with you and your dad, you were abused. Um, did he hit you? Um, was there some sexual trauma, something like that? I'm very careful when I start to release some of that information, I'll say, Hey, there are some things coming up for me. Would you like to hear, or would you like to just sit there and, and observe and just, and just enjoy the foot zone? What is it that you would want? And then we would go from there. And if they don't want to talk about it and they'll say, yes, I want to know. And I'll just say, well, this is what's coming up and I'll talk to them about it. And then, and then I'll say, okay, let's take a deep breath right here. Do you want to tell me how you're feeling about this? Um, do you want to talk about this? And it's yes or no. Okay, let's take another deep breath. Let's clear that out. Um, I can ask them questions kind of like um, kind of like you do with uh, neurolinguistic programming where you, you, you they're back in that moment because they're obviously still holding on to that experience like it just happened. So they're holding on to this experience. And as it's coming up for me and I'm talking about it with them, I'll say, okay, so can you go back and have a conversation with this three or four-year-old little boy? What is it that you would tell him or her? What is it that you would say to them? What does that conversation look like? So by just being in an awareness of that situation, they still have the power. That that situation is no longer real because it, it's in the past. It's already happened. But they're storing it in their body as it's real. They're storing it in their body as it's still present. So they're having all of these ailments. And so just by coming into an awareness of that and addressing it, I cannot tell you how many people will give me a one or two sentence response to all the things that are coming up. And then they'll text me later and they'll say, I cannot express to you what just cleared out by just that five minute moment that we had, because I absolutely believe in the foot zone and that my hands are there pulling energy out for them where they don't feel like they have the emotional, physical capability or strength to do so. Mm -hmm. It gets intense. It gets tiresome. That's where the sickness comes in. And that's where I come in. And that's where my hands come in on their feet. That, that makes perfect. And, so, and that's got to be very beautiful to see people kind of come in from like a fight or flight. I, I literally feel like more people are in a fight or flight response throughout the whole entire day. And to be able to unwind and put trust in you to to be able to expound on something that maybe they don't like to talk about, I think that's a beautiful thing. In fact, I feel like the tragedy of our our society has a lot to do with um, sort of this manly sort of like keep your emotions in. We don't cry around here. I think that's the number one reason why men have problems going to healers is because they want, they, we want to always honor our parents. You know, that's, there's, there's this weird DNA thing where we, we never want to make our parents unhappy. We want them to be proud of us. 
but some of us have bad programming programming that the only way that they'll be proud of us is if we man up and we don't we kind of hide our emotions under the carpet you know and then when you come in there going like we don't need to put it under the carpet let's just pull it out that's a huge breakthrough for someone uh, just to be able to feel safe um sometimes when i work with clients i'll muscle test to see what they feel safe you know, with something, I feel safe losing weight. I feel safe with a loving relationship. One of the ones is, is could be, do I feel safe expressing myself? And the percentage could be really low, like 26%. And I need to remove energies that make them feel safe again to express mm-hmm. themselves, you know? But I love your technique because I, th- I feel like once you start kind of removing energies from people and they start noticing shifts and start breathing again, I feel like it's like, it's almost like they finally... Um, let go of their whole their their jaw clenching and they're like you know their arms this is a typical man move right here just you know just put your arms like this and, and clench the jaw but if you can somehow relax the jaw and let him open up i think that's i think the world will change you know we just, we just need to duplicate you and, make like that. <laughs> and then um, just kind of go out there the army just push it out there yes. you know um so, okay. So that's really interesting. So, so what's going on with this happy? Because there's so many coaches out there. What, what kind of differentiates you with like, let's say a happiness coach? Cause you know, like happiness to many people could be elusive, you know, even the, the movie, the pursuit of happiness, you know, but it's just like, that was a struggle for that person in that movie, you know, uh, to find it, you know, and the whole world was spinning around them, you know? Um, but but why that coach? There, there could be so many different coaches that you could have been, like a life coach or whatever, all this different stuff. NLP mastery, you know, you could have done that. Um, how come that kind of resonated with you? And uh, it seems like it's working perfectly with the foot zoning. Yeah. So Everybody is looking for the next fix to be happy, right? Right. But it's insatiable because they're always looking for something else. They're looking for the next jump. They're looking for the next item, whatever. But if we can find joy, happiness, contentment, right? Exactly where we are. That's where the wealth is. That's where the abundance is. Mm -hmm. And it's these feelings of lack that we're constantly sitting in that's keeping us from feeling happy. And really the happiness comes from gratitude, which again goes back to where are you in the present? What are you feeling and experiencing in the present? So the happiness really is the state of gratitude. Um, I just feel like it's, I have felt like in my personal experience, in my personal journey, um, my issues, my bumps, my falling off the cliff was constantly coming from looking for the next thing that was going to fill some hole, that was going to fill some void. And it wasn't until I recognized that everything I had that was of importance to me couldn't be bought with money, couldn't be bought with an experience. There was no price tag on it. There was no price tag. So how do you obtain that? And that's when I actually really started looking for what are the things in my life that I have? If I didn't have my home, if I didn't have my car, if I didn't have income or a job, if I didn't have X, Y, Z, and I started taking everything away. Even up until recently, it came to the point where, who am I if I'm not a mom? My whole identity was based around that. Like it was to the point where I'm okay if, you know, if all these other things, if I don't have all these other things, but I still have my kids, I would always say, I still have my kids. 
And then it just occurred to me, I came into the awareness a few weeks ago, okay, lol, if you're going to keep expanding, who are you if you're not a mother? And that thought alone literally collapsed me to the floor. And I thought, I don't know, who am I if I'm not a mom? Well, I am. And that's it. I just am a being. And in that moment, when I recognized if everything went away and I just was a being having this human experience, could I still feel content and happiness and joy or gratitude or whatever label it is that we want to put on that emotion? Can I still experience joy? And it took me a few days to wrap my mind around it. But I did. And I just felt this elevation in me. Like I have always just been whatever it is that my soul is right now. Whoever I was before I had kids, before I got married, before life happened, before I had tragedies, before I had joy, before I had anything, I just was existing. And I am sure I was happy then. Yeah. So you basically acknowledge the I am inside of you. And and it's basically there's, and, and I feel like I was just talking to um, one of the uh, podcasters who, who uh, I admire. He, I said also too, that the, um, in Buddhism, they talk about how um, when you start loving objects or things, that's the beginning of suffering. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I feel like we, you said it very well, we're in a world of just getting you know, technically, if you go to school and you're, you're getting groomed to get a job, which is you become a you specialize in the art of getting things. Right. And then your whole life, you're wondering, you're just like, like, what is what? Who am I at the end of the day? You know, and I love what you said. It's like if you were to strip yourself of basically roles like, you know, like take off your the actor role that I'm like, I'm a mom and all this stuff. You take it off roles like what is this? light being that's inside of me, you know, mm. um, there's a really powerful a quote that I once heard and maybe this may resonate with you or not, you know, but I, I, I love it a lot. It said that, um, that Jesus Christ didn't have an identity crisis. Um, he knew who he was before he knew who he was when he came here and he knew where he was going. And when you're that liberated, then you can serve, you know, and I feel like a lot of people are, are shackled because they don't know where they came from, why they're here, where they're going. You can't like fully serve, like, you know, because you just don't know who you really are, you know? And so I feel like your journey has taken you not only to help other people, but it seems like you've refined your identity. Am I, am I wrong with that? Oh, definitely. Yes. I mean, everything that you just described is, is fear, it's all fear-based. And so all of the things that we end up doing are fear-based. What's so-and-so going to think? Well, society saying we should do it this way or that way. I should be thinking this way or that way. And if if I'm, quote-unquote, pioneering a new way of being or thinking or doing, then am I going to be judged? Am I going to be judged for that? So maybe I should just come back and be quiet and just fit in. I should just wear the same black that everybody else is wearing and just keep my light you know, hidden right? so that other people can't see it. But it's when one person turns on their light and then someone else is like, well, then it's okay for me too. And then it's okay for me too. And then all of a sudden we've got this nuclear explosion of these beings just being. And I I think that's, I think that's where the, the world is headed is I think more than ever, we're just tired. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I just feel like, um, 
Dr. Brad calls it like the earth is like giving birth, like we're trying to like birth a new world, you know, but that, that new world can't happen unless we look inward and we've always looked outward for everything. Mm-hmm. And, and the say, when we say finally the solution's not out there, it's in here, I think everything starts changing and the frequency of the earth will change and we'll just all change together. And we just need more people like you who are light giving light to others, you know, and then they go like, I have light myself too. It's not like I'm light and I'm just giving you light. And then when I turn off, you're going to turn off. It's like, once you, we wake up light in people, that's really what we're doing. And then they realize like, I'm more powerful than I ever thought. That's my mission. My mission is like, you're more powerful than you, you think. Um, and if I can get you to the point where you really know who you are, then I've, I've had success in my life, you know? Um, so, so tell me more about, um, so someone goes through the foot zoning process. I know you also do these, um, these retreats, you know, and there's, um, tell me kind of like walk me through, first of all, I, I've seen, um, I think a photo of a man in a retreat or I think you were doing something to a man. I don't know if you were doing Reiki on them or doing something like that, but men and women are included in these, in these, uh, events that you have there. And, um, what's your goal? What's your main goal when you do these little special retreats? So the men and women, that's the, that's the breath work that, um, that I've been doing. Um, and I also do couples sessions. I've got a couple of session that's coming up in a few weeks here, which is going to be amazing. Um, Am I invited to that? Or like my wife and I, like we got to like, is it in St. George or we'll have food after. So yeah. See, this is how she gets me. That's the food. There's food after. Otherwise I wouldn't have gone unless there was food. Yeah. It's all about nourishing body and soul and spirit. So, I mean, we're getting this detox and these downloads from the, the breath work, but then also feeding ourselves after and who doesn't like a good meal. And there's always connection over food. Great conversation always happens over food. So, but yeah, so the retreats that I've been doing are with women, and I just um, I just teamed up with um, someone else who does retreats with men, and so we're we're starting to do couples retreats now. So um, in uh, May next year, we'll have one in Tokyo. So it'll be women for a few days, men for a few days, and then we'll integrate as couples for the last several days, which I'm really looking forward to. But the whole thing again is. Um, the most important relationship starts with yourself. Like you were saying to go inside and find all the answers within yourself first. When when we're looking outside, that's where all the confusion comes from. And everybody has their own opinion from their own experiences, how you should do things. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I should decide. I don't know what to do. And well, I chose this thing and you told me to do the wrong thing. It's like, well, if you were in your and in, in with your heart space and your soul, if you are making those decisions with yourself and whoever your higher power happens to be, then who's to say that that decision would have been different? But it's scary, right? It's again, it's scary to do that pioneering of yourself because typically we've been conditioned to listen to the masses and not ourselves. So the whole point is to have fun and laugh and to release. And with the women, it's focused on femininity and moving the energy and um, womb clearing. I mean, all of the energy that we store in our, our wombs, it's just, it's a junk drawer of all the experiences that we've had. And we're like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to stuff it in my womb. And then women get problems with their cycles and can't get pregnant or 
you know, a whole slew of things that comes from that. So just getting into that balance of knowing who you are and figuring that out and then taking that into all your relationships. If you're in a couple's relationship, a work relationship, your family, your kids, your bestie, whatever it is, just staying true to here. That's like, that. this is the tool. The heart is the home space. And so long as you have your heart, your home, wherever you are, so long as you allow him or her to come out of there. And I think a lot of people, I don't know, I feel like that education is not very present in our schooling system. I always tell people all the time that, you know, we were created for success, but programmed for, you know, for failure. And there's so much programming that needs to be unprogrammed. And I feel like, especially with energy healing, I tell people all the time, I'm not going to add things to you. It's more like subtracting things from who you really are. Um, there's more unprogramming that needs needed than adding new things because the answers are already inside of you. Um, I kind of look at it like little dark spots on top of this beautiful glowing person. And all I'm doing is I'm just taking these little dark spots off and all that's left is this beautiful light that was made to be there by itself. And that's how I kind of look at people's healing journey. Um, but, um, but it's almost again, like, Again, I really feel I made a whole video on this thing called like the world is having an identity crisis. Like, don't even get me started, you know. Um, but um, but what it sounds like this retreat is it's like a return to your true identity, absolutely, and listening to your heart space so that you can know who you truly are. Am I right about oh, that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, finding out what your individual superpower is, there is no other person like you or me or anyone else on this planet. We've all had different experiences. If you believe in past lives, I mean, what were we doing before we got this body? We were having some experience somewhere and even that experience was different. So we take that, whatever that is for you and just remember it and take that. What does your cape look like now? What do your wings look like now? How far can you fly? And I just feel like that's what's amazing. That's what's gotten me just recognizing that I have something that nobody else has. I don't really know exactly what that is just yet. I mean, I know I can love like nobody's business and I know I can laugh until I pee. And so I feel like those are my two superpowers. Um, you know, very important ones, by the way, society needs those powers (laughs) in this world. So yeah, it's just, and laughter is such a great release of, of energy. So, you know, whatever anybody's superpower happens to be, find that, step into that and enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's a gift. You know, I, speaking of gift, uh, for those, some people are listening and I can, I'm always looking for that black sheep that's listening and going like, this sounds so great, but that can't be me. Or, you know, or, um, she's talking about heart space. Like, I don't I probably don't even have a heart, you know, there's, there's someone listening and it's probably thinking that, and I want to talk to that person right now and tell you that all of us um, go through stages in life where we question that we can have anything that we desire and that we, we can ever get better. And here's what I know is that if if you don't have belief in yourself, then borrow our belief in you right now, um, the people that you're listening to right now. Uh, if you would have met us, if you were here in this room right now, we would um, give you hugs and tell you about your beautiful identity. And, and, and sometimes it takes other people's belief first to kind of light your flame and then you get your own. Um, but I just feel like um, this is a huge reason why this world I think is suffering is because we don't know who we are. And, and it's, it's 
like we are literally burning ourselves alive. Like we are just uh, becoming cannibalistic to each other. And, and it's, and it's sad because again, I always tell people um, if they knew they were a child of the creator, would they act like that? And always the answer is no. Like if you have right now, some people that are hurting you right now, if they knew who they were truly knew, and they were in their heart space, like you're talking about, they wouldn't do that to you, but they're not, they're confused. They're alone. They don't know who they are. And they hurt people, hurt people, you know, and healed people, heal people, you know? Um, but tell me like somebody who's dealing with depression and anxiety, this is really common. Like there's, there's a couple million people out in, in America alone of people doing, you know, and I've heard a lot of theories where depression, and anxiety are kind of like brothers and sisters. Like, you know, you, some people feel anxiety because they feel depression, some people, and then vice versa. But what have you noticed in all your years of working? Where do you think this depression and anxiety comes from? I just watched a Jim Carrey show or Jim Carrey reel where he was talking about how depression was your body saying, he was saying the F word, he said F you. Um, like, why do you keep playing this role? This isn't who you are. And now I'm depressed. I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like you put on these fake roles and then your body's like, you're not being congruent with who you are. So feel some depression, you know? Uh, but what do you think? What what have you noticed in your? I have my own theories of why people feel depression, like there's heart wall stuff. But what's your theory on that? People feel depressed and anxious. Oh well, we live in a society of comparisonitis, one, mm -hmm. and you know statistics are showing right now that over twenty five percent of physical ailments are due to anxiety and depression. And when asked what's your anxiety or depression on a scale of one to ten, most people say an eight. That's really high. We have all this, um, these expectations to keep up with answering your email immediately, answering a text immediately, getting back with so-and-so, we're scrolling through social media and their life looks amazing and wonderful and look how pretty and skinny she is and oh, they've got all this money and how do they get that? They're a famous YouTuber, they're this and that and all the things that you can go on for days. So this comparisonitis and then we go into what our inner talk is and then we start listening to that inner talk from who or what we were just comparing ourselves and our lives to. And it's heavy. It's heavy stuff. And then we've got this, like you said earlier, don't cry. Don't show emotion. Or we're supposed to be happy all the time. We need to show that we're happy all the time. And when we take pictures, we need to be smiling all the time. What if we all had a crappy day and we just took that picture and posted it? and captioned it. Not because we were trying to get attention or validation and just, Hey, guess what? I'm just going to be real right now. Today sucked. It was so bad. What if we did? What if we were real? What if we were more real? What if the reels, the R E E L S were, were R E A L S. That was deep. Mic drop. Yeah. yeah. Mic, <laughs> mic drop. Um, yeah. What if they were, I think it'd be very different because you're right. People, um, there's a, uh, um, audio I used to listen to, I used to have this really low self-esteem. Like I, I was like a, I could like blend into the wall really easily. Um, but military school changes you, you know, like military school can change that. But uh, I, I listened to this audio called Maximum Confidence by Jack Canfield. And he talks about how he's like, it's okay to compare yourself with other people as long as you add something valuable to yourself after the conversation. So it's like, yeah, they may have this, but look what I have. I also have this too, you know, and this is, we should be happy for each other. That's very different from this person one up me. And then now it's like, the negative talk I have with myself, like you were talking about, almost like it's a form of self-abuse, you know? Yeah. Um, and I tell people all the time, 
you know, cause I used to get bullied back in the day. Um, the, the worst bullying goes behind closed doors. It's, it's after the bully hurts you that what do you tell yourself it behind closed doors is, is the worst bullying of all. And I have to work on that person with energy healing of what the actual trauma being bullied and then post bullying. And those are all kind of combined together. Um, but what do you say to somebody who's like, I'm not into energy healing. Don't touch my foot. Um, I don't like, I've tried happiness before you, you have to have met, met someone who comes to you and maybe they're just kind of very skeptical. And and I invite skepticism all the time. Like you're skeptical. I've been looking for you, you know, <laughs> like, like we, we need the most healing cause I'm skeptical too, you know? Um, but what do you tell that person who's skeptical, negative, pessimistic? And it's just like, I don't know if, if, if I can go through this journey. Like I would love to, it sounds great, but I'm, I, th- I think I'm, I'm your rare case, you know? Yeah. What, what do you, what do you tell that person? I know you've probably seen one or two of those people and you're oh, like, yeah. how can I, what do you, what do you do for that person? Well, first of all, with the foot zone, it feels good and it's really relaxing. There are tons of health benefits to it, but if for no other reason, if you're coming in just to relax, I think that's fantastic. But if people are coming because um, well, I've tried all of these other things and nothing's working and I, and I don't want to feel like this anymore and I want to change. It's ask yourself, do I really want this? It's no different than going to the gym. You want muscle, you go to the gym. You want to trim down, you want to be heart healthy, you go to the gym. You, you run, you work out, you dance, you get your body moving. So it's no different. You want your energy and how you feel about yourself and what you're looking at yourself. Um, you get your energy moving. And we, I mean, the whole fake it till you make it thing, if that's what we need to do for just a minute, if we need to rely on other people as a crutch, I think that's fantastic too. But when we get to a point where we're just enough is enough, and I actually do want to make that change, I want to make that shift, I want to implement something new, you'll do it. And if you have no idea why, you're doing it. You just know there's something there or there's a possibility there could be something there. Just stick with it. That's great advice. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, Hopefully everyone got this and hopefully you're taking notes too. You never know. There might be a really great golden nugget in here and um, you'll be surprised what one sentence can do or what one thing someone tells you. I have countless successful people that they rely on what one person told them and it changes their life. Um, I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine who um, he told me when I was 14 years old, uh, my parents were threatening me with going to military school. And he looked at me and he's just like, if you come back from military school and you're not successful, like I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And I remember going like, wow, you really threatened our friendship for that, huh? And I became the number one most successful guy in the military school. Like, you know, and, and I broke all records in that school. And then, and then what's interesting is that I am so grateful for him being kind of raw with me. You know, sometimes I hate to say this, but like, we live in a very cushy world right now. Like, 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 don't say anything too offensive. Like, you know, it's like, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, sometimes we need to hear what we like need to hear, you know, it's not what we want to hear sometimes, but I'm so glad that some people have come to me and told me straight, like, Hey, look, if you don't do this, it's like, this isn't going to work out for you, you know? And I needed that kind of tough talk to kind of like move forward, you know? So I'm grateful for those people. Um, share with me real quick. Um, 
what's one of your favorite stories or maybe a good testimonial that stands out of maybe a client that was in point A and then went to point B and you were the facilitator in the middle that if you weren't there, they would not have gone to that B area. Uh, maybe you want to share one that kind of stands. I know you probably have dozens, but maybe you just share one that stands out to you. Uh, yeah. Um, so I've been working with a client every week for about 10 months now. And her anxiety was so bad. She was having a hard time leaving her house. So it was making it hard for her to hold a job. And, you know, lucky enough since COVID, we can we can work from home a lot. And so she was working from home a lot, but not all the things that she needed to do, she could do from home. And she came to me and she said, I, I'm worried I'm going to lose my job. And I just, I just need to feel better. Like I just, I feel like I get around people and I start getting these panic attacks and I can't breathe and my chest is heavy and I've got to turn around and go home. And I, we were hanging out with friends a couple of weeks ago and someone asked me a question and there were, there were, I guess, three or four couples and someone had asked her a question. It was her time to speak and everybody looked at her and she froze and started crying and she left. So, um, I said, okay, let's do this and let's just start small. So we just started with foot zoning. Then it turned into, um, some conversations. Then we were talking, then we were doing some breathing and I was saying, okay, next time you have, um, a panic attack, there's this part on your foot and you can dig your finger into this part of your foot to help calm that down. And while you're doing that, focus on breathing. So you have a panic attack, hold up two fingers. That's two things, the part on your foot and your breathing. That's only two things that you have to remember. So panic attack, put your two fingers up. Peace. Peace. There you go. And there you go. So we were probably um, two months into meeting every single week. And she called me and she said, hey, um, we got together with friends and they asked me a question. And I didn't panic. I answered it. Hey, I was just asked to um, speak in church and I just said yes. Hey, this and that and the other thing and all of these things. And now she sends me pictures and of all the things that she's doing and she checks in with me and sends me text messages and I just and she's like thank you for what you're doing for me. Well, I'm facilitating and I'm just helping them remember who they already were. Right. They're doing the work. They're making the choice. Right. I'm just facilitating. Hey, can you look at it from this angle mm-hmm. or this viewpoint or that point? If we're looking at things upside down, backwards, inside out, through water with headphones on, however it is, if we're looking at something differently, then we're getting a different outcome. But if we're looking at things through the same tunnel vision, the outcome won't change. We're in the same trouble area that started the issue. So how's it going to change unless we start looking at it differently? And sometimes it just takes that one sentence. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's my aha moment. Let's try this. And then that's all you need to move in a different direction. Yeah. I think what you're saying is it makes a lot of sense is sort of, it's sort of like, changing your eye filters, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit of like, how are you seeing this? You know, um, I think one of the, the major things that changed for me is that very um, pretty women in school were sometimes more insecure than the person who is not that pretty. Cause I have a sister and I you know I have my wife, you know, and like, like they confessed to me, like I was really insecure. And then I, then I talked to the guy that wanted to talk to the beautiful woman, their lenses, they're too good for me. So they don't talk to me. And then her lens is like, I'm so insecure. I can't talk to anybody. So it's kind of this weird thing where I'm like, do you guys know the weird dichotomy you guys are in? Like, just because, you know, of like how you feel insecure and I mean, why are you feeling insecure? You know, it's just really interesting. It's kind of like really, if you change your lens, you could change your world in many different ways. Um, and so I, I totally believe that, um, 
I was going to ask you, um, when they, um, you mentioned two things. Um, one thing is obviously you're doing some subconscious work. Obviously you do energy healing right there, but also I noticed that you, it's almost like you give them homework. You know, if you do this, if this situation arises, then you need to do this. And I'm a very big proponent that you have to have both, you know, mm-hmm. subconscious and conscious work. I can't go up to a homeless person, extract a ton of inherited energies from them that cause him to be in, impoverished, but then don't teach him about how to trade stocks and like, you know, wealth management and everything. He's going to be like, I have no idea what to do. Why am I wearing a tie? Like, you know? And so I feel like it's it's important to have like, you need the conscious side and the subconscious side to kind of work yeah. together. Um, I was telling you earlier in the broadcast about this broadcast message, you know, like a message that you're putting out there. But sometimes on muscle tests, I'll say, you need to like consciously meditate for that for two weeks with an affirmation. So your conscious brain catches up to your subconscious brain because your subconscious is like, locked and loaded it's ready to go it's already putting it out there it's almost like your brain's going like i don't believe i'm in a new car right now and uh, what am i doing in here and it has to catch up to it does it make sense so how has that how has that been your journey because i feel like when i first got started i was all about the subconscious i kind of negated the conscious a little bit but now as i mature i notice i'm like I got to give them some homework or they got to do this or this. Otherwise it's almost like I'm like putting them out to the wolves a little oh, bit, yeah. you know? So what's your experience with that? Where like maybe you shifted gears and you're like, Hey, you know what? I got to like implement these little wellness hacks with my people. Yeah. Otherwise I'm kind of like leaving them in the dark and they have to kind of wait for you to get healed again. And it doesn't really yeah. benefit them in the long run, in my opinion. Um, but what do you, yeah. when, when did that kind of shift for you? Well, everything is, um, is it, there's, there's a continuity, there's a consistency. And so anything that we want to implement differently, we've, we've got to keep at it. So, you know, when you take your vitamins, you don't just take them once and then you're done. We take them every day. So they, or eat healthy foods, whatever. So it stays in our body and we're continually nourishing. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing. We're nourishing a new implementation, a new habit, and getting rid of some of that old programming and starting something new. And I started doing a therapy program with um, someone right after I got divorced. And um, that whole situation, like I, I was suicidal for the first time in my life. And I thought something's got to change. That was my pivotal moment where I was like, I got to do something different. I'm desperate. I'll try everything. And and he was always giving me homework. And this one homework that he gave me, we had I had to write down my automatic negative thought. So every time I had a negative thought, I had to write it. So for that whole week, and then I get back to him the next week, and I'm going through all these negative thoughts, and I've got like pages of negative thoughts with the same themes over and over. I was like, I do not want to ever have a negative thought again in my life because I don't want to do this homework. So I was a lot more conscious about what my thought process was. And I could not believe how often I was mean to myself and abusing myself and the horrible things I was saying. I would never say those things to another soul, but I was saying them to me I'm supposed to be my own best friend, right? My own protector, right? I wasn't. So how am I supposed to heal and expect other people to treat me differently? So that was so huge for me, that homework. And, you know, I say things to people like that, like, I'm, are you okay? If I, I, I don't say homework, I'll say, can I give you a challenge that's going to benefit you? Like, this is for you. This isn't for me. But even if it's just to write a, a a hate letter, a dump letter and burn it. 
um, something as simple as that, like those kinds of homework assignments are end up being fun for people. And then they'll call me, oh my gosh, I did this burning. I did this, I did that. And it was fun. So, you know, it's just exciting to see the growth. Homework is so important. <laughs> I, I totally agree. And I know a very, um, kind of like a, a famous inventor that, that, um, he built his own version of like the hyperbaric chamber, things like that. But it's so fascinating. He told me something that really caught my attention. He said that when they come to me with all, like they already have disease, they're already there. He says, I don't even introduce them to my machines yet. He's like, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I need you to write letters on who you want to forgive. And then, and then also write a letter to yourself, how you forgive yourself. I thought that was super powerful that he's like, you know, this technology is not really going to serve you unless you start with like love and forgiveness, you know? Mm-hmm. And they say that in the Missouri Moto, um, you know, the, the messages in water, you know, the most beautiful crystal he found in 20 years was love and gratitude. Like nothing is more beautiful than that crystal. And it's this like beautiful pattern of like a snowflake, you know? And I feel like anything that takes you away from love and gratitude, I think is the beginning of disease and pain and, 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 and uh, emotional ailments. And I just feel like what you were saying is like these negative thoughts that you had um, and in and, and the body code, you can muscle test to see how much your body believes something. I don't know if you've, you've heard of that term, um, post-hypnotic suggestions, but um, basically it's hypnotized statements that um, you've probably heard either through your parents, kind of like, like, I don't belong here or, or, you know, just different things where they would fight back and forth and you just kind of hear it. And you're just this little kid walking around like a little sponge, but it programs in your mind. Um, music does it, video games do it, and even entities do it. Um, things that are on the other side that are not full of love and they, they drop these thoughts in your head and, um, they make you believe it a hundred percent. If I were to muscle test someone and say, um, I don't belong here and their arm is strong and they're like, I don't even know why I believe that it might've been an entity whispering in their ear and telling them you don't belong here. And then everywhere they go, they don't feel like they belong. Why is this important? Why? Because, you know, um, the, this terminology, post-hypnotic suggestions, you know, is because what you don't know, you don't know can be hurting you. So I like to give people hope. I'm like, look how far you've gone in your life without healing. And would you be willing to investigate your inner universe so that you can live a more fuller life? You know, but I just feel like I, I'm always proud of people. I'm like, wait, what have you gone through? Wait, you went through how many relationships? Wait, you lost how many jobs? And you're still here and you're still open? Good for you. Like, you know, imagine if you can actually go inside and control your inner universe and talk to yourself better and change everything. The next five years of your life will look totally different. Absolutely. And I, I think you, you've you seen that where you're like, if you put the right attention and love with someone, it doesn't even take five years. It can take like a year. And all of a sudden their life does not look the same at all. Um, maybe you can share, um, I know how many, how many years have you been doing retreats for? Has it just been recently or is it just, uh, um, just over the last year this year. Okay. Yeah. So I'd love to, you know, me, I'm a big story person. So you have to share a story of somebody who went to a retreat, cross arms, cross legs, cross eyes, and then just see what happened to this person post retreat. Maybe you can share a story of someone that stands out to you oh, yeah. of somebody who came to a retreat <laughs> and then you're just like, wow, look at how this person blossomed um, and maybe you yeah. can share that uh, so I had a client she was um, she was six months clean from meth 
And uh, and she calls everything this woo-woo, everything. She's like, I don't even know what you're doing. Like, In fact, I started foot zoning her, and how she found me was just not even coincidental. It was just a miracle how she found me. It was amazing. And she hates her feet to be touched. And she texted me, and I, you know, going back and forth, and I said, you know, I can talk you out of getting foot zoned, or I can talk you into it. Which one would you prefer? And, and she said, fine, I'll schedule tomorrow. And she came in. She was all upset, and she was mad that she was there. And I thought this is going to be so fantastic. Like I can feel that she's completely open to it. So I'm foot zoning her. I'm doing all the things I do with her. And I have this retreat. And the only reason that she wanted to come is because she had a friend who was coming from um, out of state to visit her that she hadn't seen in years. And she wanted her to do something fun. So she comes to this, um, this weekend retreat. And the whole time she was there, like we were doing breath work and meditations and she wouldn't close her eyes during the meditations or the breath work. And when people started crying, she just looked at me and like her eyes were welling up and she'd shake her head. No. And, and I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. And I went over and I, the one time I just, I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, it's okay. Remember I encourage crying. And then she started crying and she's like, I swore I was never going to stop crying. I swore I was never going to stop crying. And then a lot of the people that I've been doing energy work with and different healing modalities that I've been doing, she started asking me, who did you see about this? Who did you see about that? And she started going to these people. Well, the light in her eyes, that's where I can tell that people are changing. And the fact that she started telling me, I love you, Lo. I love you. That's not something that she just says to anybody, or she would just say really sentimental things to me like, you know, I won't let anybody else touch my feet but you. And I know that's just her hard, tough way of saying, I love you and thank you for what you're doing for me. She's still coming out of some of those layers, but to see somebody who was only six months in recovery from meth after 18 years and these massive shifts that she's making where she's even expressing her emotion to where she let a tear fall out of her eye, you know, like in Claudio and Chance and Meatballs and the cop is starting to cry and he's like, get back in there, get back in there. And he sucks it up. And he sucks it back up. That's totally her. That's totally her. Until it wasn't. Until those tears started coming out. And, and just having the ability to express emotion and be unapologetic about it and just recognize this is what our bodies do. This is how they speak to us. I think that's letting the superhero come out. It's really, really heroic to be vulnerable. Being tough, that's easy it's being vulnerable. That's not easy. And that's where she became a hero to me is because she was allowing those emotions to come out that she stuffed for so long. And the reason she got into her addiction was because she was stuffing emotion. So she has flipped the other direction. And I find it beautiful when people cry, when emotions start coming out, and I get the hugest smile on my face. People probably think, well, she's laughing at my pain. No, I think it's fantastic that it's coming out, that you're letting it release, that you're allowing it to come out, like straight hero status right there. So did you feel like you had a childhood that represents the environment that you're providing to people? Or do you feel like you didn't have that childhood? I'm just curious. Um, yes and no. I, I think I definitely clicked with my, my dad because I was the only girl of six boys. And so we were doing all the boy things all the time. I mean, 
yeah, I liked shopping for dresses and things with my mom, but I couldn't wear dresses and do the boy things, right? <laughs> right. You can't fish in a dress, really. It's hard. Um, you can't kayak in a dress, really. It's hard. Um, those things. But I, I was with my dad's parents a lot when I was growing up while they were working and going to school. And I always knew that I was loved. And we were always outside working in the garden and we were picking from fruit trees and making meals together. And I feel like I did have a really good fulfilling childhood. It's looking back where I'm like, oh crap, I totally would do that, this or that different with my kids and mostly surrounding some of the stipulations with religion. But otherwise, I just, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like things were we're pretty good. And, and and the reason why I ask that is because I really feel like we choose the habitation that we come into, you know, like <clears throat> before we came to earth, we, we saw like, okay, that's going to be my mom. That's going to be my dad. And we made this conscious decision. Like the growth that I need is going to be through that support. And people might say, well, that can't be possible because my dad was a horrible person to me, you know, but, but, you know, there's that story of the two the two boys that they're um, the two boys that became men and one of them went to jail and one of them became a successful CEO, you know, and they asked the guy, you know, the CEO, you know, how'd you get here? You know, such a terrible alcoholic father, you know, and he says, well, like with a father like mine, where do you expect me to be? You know, and the same thing with the person in jail, how'd you get in jail? Well, with a father like mine, where would you expect me to be? Same father. They just kind of said, I'm not going to be like that, or I'm going to be like that in some ways, you know? Yes. And so I'm always kind of, um, curious to see that in my case it was the opposite my my parents were not um pro express yourself emotion wise oh, yeah and and so and so <laughs> like you know like i remember when i was like hugging my mother i was just like you are like a stiff cardboard you know and then she and then i had to ask you know i was like why why are you like that you know and she said she's like like my mom and dad never gave me hugs. That's not how I grew up, you know? So I'm like, but you're trying though, right? She's like, yeah, I'm trying, but it's just, I'm not used to it. I'm like, all right, mom, well, I'll just, I'll keep hugging you until you get used to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, um, but it's always interesting to see like a healer like yourself. Did you have the environment that you can almost duplicate it, you know, in some ways or did you not, you know? Um, with my mom, we definitely butt heads a lot. I was definitely a free spirit and she was more, you know, this is how you do it. This is how it's always been done. And, um, and my dad, I remember when I was younger, my dad used to call me a, a hippie flower child. And I, I mean, when I was younger, I had no idea what that meant. And until I got older, cause I was just thinking sex, drugs, and rock and roll when he said that to me. And I'm like, really? I'm like 12. Like, I don't even know what that like, means. None but, of those things. <laughs> but yeah. And then I, I mean, my, my pappy, my grandpa, um, I remember this one time specifically, I always hugged. I always hugged nobody else in my family. They were not huggers. And um, and so we would go visit my grandparents for dinner and when we would leave, I would give them a hug when I left and I would say, I love you so much. And this one time my pappy said, well, good Lord, what are you going to do? Die on the way home? And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I shouldn't like, oh, I, I'm doing it wrong. Well, I, okay. Nobody else is hugging here. We just goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And we just leave. And I remember on the drive home, a 45 minute drive home, the whole way home, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, I did it wrong. He doesn't want me to hug him. And like going through this whole scenario. And I remember again, this voice in my head, this angel or whatever, whoever it is that's constantly talking to me just said, this is who you are. And so I continued hugging forever. Well, then I got older 
it stopped. I wasn't around other people who hugged. And then the gods be as they are brought the Polynesian culture into my life. And for the last 20 some years, as my closest friends are Polynesian and everybody is family and you're always hugging and auntie and uncle, like everybody's related. I thought this is home. This is clicking for me. Everybody's hugging and I can do this. Mm -hmm. So now a lot of times I'll just start hugging people. And I'm like, eh. I'm like, oh, wait, are you a hugger? I'm totally a hugger. And that's, oh, you're hugging too tight. You're hugging too tight. And so it's like, right. this is who I am. You get the hug at the depth that you get my hug. This is my hug. So. Right. And, and there's so much science that proves that hu hugging for this amount of time can raise, you know, dopamine and all these positive things, endorphins too, and I'll hug for even longer. You know, I, I really feel like, um, you know, there's nothing like the personal touch, you know, like, like personal touches. So mm -hmm. I, I remember when someone would like, I was like wearing a suit and, and, you know, I was like struggling in a business that I was working in, but there was something about the, Hey, you got a nice tie. It's like, it's nice seeing you here. And you know, and I'm just like, what, you know? And I just remember going like, why are you touching me? You know? But I remember like just the personal touch just like, I felt like you're my sister, aren't you? And um, you're conveying it through a simple touch, but I don't know what even to do with it. Cause I'm not used to the touch, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes we're too, how do I say it? Accustomed to um, the like being comfortable um, with your own beliefs about something. And then you don't like are not open to somebody else and that their belief of hugging is normal. Hugging, you know, it's, it's really just culture. It's a cultural indoctrination, really what yeah. it is. And it's like if you put a baby in a very loving, hugging place, that baby is going to become the perfect hippie child, you know? And, and, um, somebody like, not like me, it's like, you throw me into like, you know, two conservative Peruvians, then, um, you know, I'm going to like, be like, hug, like, what do you, like, what's your intentions here? Like, do you want something, you know? And uh, it's very different, you know, and we have to kind of unprogram ourselves, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I, um, um, I've, I, you know, I created this platform, uh, called heal and I, I introduced you to it. So thanks for joining it, whatever. And, um, but, it's a platform where I wanted to bring people that are all growing together because Facebook is not growing. Um, you know, I've been Facebook banned, you know, maybe two or three times for just sharing truth about like wellness. And then they just go like, ah, oh, let me get the fact checkers here, you know. Um, but um, I, I found this really cool meme. I thought you might appreciate this, but kind of um, just reminded me of like how Facebook is. But it said something to the extent of like, um, um, like, Noah said the rain was coming and the fact checkers, you know, said it wouldn't happen. And so now they're dead the end, you know. Um, but that's kind of like how I how I see it. I'm just like, I'm trying to provide great value. You know, if you don't agree with me, there's no reason to ban me, you know. So I created a holistic platform where you'll never be banned. You can share anything you want. I even had a whole huge post on like, what do you do post um you know, vaccine injury, you know, and that would have been banned a long time ago on Facebook. Or what do you do if you have COVID? What are holistic ways to um, regain your immune system? And then people were posting long posts and I could just go in there and just no one's getting banned. What a beautiful place of freedom, you know? Um, so I feel like it's important also to be another group of people that like have similar beliefs to you and they keep expanding your mind, you know? And I feel like if you go on Facebook, sometimes you're like, Oh, I had this amazing Reiki session, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's like 20% of those people are going just like this weirdo, like, like took the red pill. I'm going to make a little <laughs> comment on here, you know? And um, that's not supportive, you know, because yeah. they don't, because the, the thing is, is uh, in our society, I think, 
you know, the only way to have the tallest building is to cut other people's building down. That's what we're taught. It's just, I'm not going to build myself. I'm just going to cut you down. That's how I'll be the tallest building. But in my platform that we created, I'm like, no, if it, if someone confesses something very vulnerable, we better all come around them and hug them and embrace and tell them good for you for being vulnerable and growing, you know? And so, um, yeah, thank you for joining the platform on there. And, and I'm going to let people know that you exist and that you're helping all these people. Again, I'm in a, I'm in a state of giving, giving now, like, just like, Hey, um, if there's a tool that works better for you, great. If foot zoning was your answer, great. And I don't, you know, know how you haven't met you yet, but, um, but I'm always open to that. Just like, um, I have an abundance mindset. I want people to just get any tool they can to grow at this point, you know? And so there's not, not there's no one right tool for no, someone. And, and we don't use the same tool forever either. Sometimes we exactly. need to have different things. It depends on where we are in our expansion process and what we're open to, what we're open to being uncomfortable to. Are we, are we open to staying in the comfort of discomfort to continue expanding so then we're always needing other ways of re-recognizing parts in ourselves finding other parts in ourselves so and I, I love how you say that and, and also i'm not sure if i told you what healing the healer actually means but i feel like greats uh, people who are going out there and adding light to others i feel like sometimes we're the ones that are suffering the most, you know? Um, my mother is a perfect example. She's an oncologist, died of pancreatic cancer, way, you know, like in her 60s. And um, she was an, she's a doctor for oncology and she died of cancer, you know? And um, it just reminded me that I'm like, healers need to take care of themselves. So the people who listen to this podcast, they're probably doing healing out there. They're doing some type of work out there. But I'm like, are you taking care of yourself? Because we need you for the long haul. And that's why this podcast, that's why you're, this is going to be such a valuable podcast for people because now they go, okay, I can do a retreat. Oh, you have a couple's retreat. That's fantastic. That's my husband and I need that, you know, or, um, foot zoning. I've never tried that before. I, I think I need that, you know? So that's why I created this healing healer podcast. It's like, there's so many healers out there that are not helping themselves. They're, they're kind of, Absolutely. they're playing Messiah and they're, they're this martyr and you, you, keep, you there's only one of those. We're not meant to be martyrs. We're not, exactly. you know? So, um, what do you want to share? What's, what's, what's been on your mind the last month that you're like, I feel like the, if I could just shout on the top of a ceiling and say, this world needs to hear this. Like, I don't know, you know, like, do you have, you've probably thought about this kind of like, it's almost like a, a, a magnum opus or a, a message you want to send to the world. What would it be and with all the knowledge that you've learned so far? I'm going to put you on the spot right now. What's yeah. some, what's something that you would want to tell the world? Like, Hey world, this is how you need to wake up. I know I've had the spiritual journey two weeks ago that something happened to me that I'll share, but what what's your message for people? Oh, uh, the two words that immediately popped into my head were um, simplicity and purification and there's things are so complicated right now. I mean, you look at the news and it's like everything that we thought was isn't and what isn't is and and the, the, just this mass confusion that it's actually really, really simple as we're getting into a place where, again, I keep going back to the heart space because that's our entire soul. We get into that space and we find out what that foundation of truth is. And that's where the purification begins, the purification of all this confusion that's going on around us. And so we become the eye of the storm. So all of this that's going on around us and right in here, it's just quiet. 
And that's the purification right there. And it's actually really, really simple to just close that out, really get into a space where we're properly breathing, where, I mean, really, and I'm going to put a plug in for breath work right here because I absolutely wholeheartedly believe in foot zoning and I couple it with breath work all the time. But the one thing that keeps us alive is breath. I mean, you can only go a few minutes without breath before your brain starts to get damaged, right? Before your heart starts to shut down. So if we look at living this life in a simple state of just breathing properly, staying in our truth heart space in the middle of the storm, and we become the eye of the storm in our soul space, what else is there? What else is there? I mean, yes, there are a million modalities to try. There are a million retreats that you can go to and you can dance around a fire naked. You can scream and hoot and holler to drums or whatever it is that brings you joy, jump off of a cliff, whatever, whatever it is, do that thing, but recognize what's actually going to heal you and bring you that joy that you're looking for is already inside of you. I mean, it just sounds like, oh, well, that can't be it. That, like, what does that even look like? What does getting into my heart space look like? Like, it can't be that simple. Healing can't be that simple. Just try it. Just try quieting out the world long enough to get into your heart space and watch the domino effect, the rippling effect, the shift that happens from that. I mean, amazing. I mean, that could have been written down and passed out to everyone in the world. And I think everyone should be happy with that. Um, I was going to add to that. Um, I feel like as our society progresses in technology and everything's very glitzy and lights and come over here and come over there, you know, there's so many, so much noise that we don't realize that our spiritual forefathers had like the really dark night and the beautiful stars. You can actually see the Milky Way because there was no lights from the city that it was easier to tap into your spiritual self because yeah. dark was really dark and light was really light. Earth and, and, um, and the earth and stillness. Yeah. And so our spiritual forefathers, again, I was making a joke with a doctor that came in here and I was saying, I'm like, the person can, uh, a, a husband goes off to go seek and commune with the creator and goes to the mountains. And people would say, he has a mental illness. What is he doing leaving his family behind? Now in this society, they'll be like, you would be weird. Hey, honey, I'm going to the mountains. I'll be back real quick. And I'm like, they're gone for six hours. That's, they think there's something wrong with you. We live in a society that'd be like, that is strange. But back then that was normal. That's, yeah. But that's our roots. Our roots is we went to ponder. We went to meditate. We weren't always asking. We weren't doing, you know, some like long syncopated asking for things. Sometimes we were just listening to like the sounds around us, you know, I think we've lost that, but we're trying to get back to it, you and know, there's the simplicity, the simplicity of it. Right. And, and there's the purification because what else is there? There's no other entertainment there. It's the darkness of the night and the stars, the Milky way and the quiet and the, I am acknowledging everything. Exactly. Um, yeah. And also I wanted to share, because you mentioned heart space so much, um, Dr. Brad once showed me this really amazing um, hieroglyphic, um, sort of like Egyptian, like little papyra, papyrus. And it was really beautiful. It had, it was called the weighing of the heart. And it had these people who were crossing over the veil to the other side. And all these people were in line and they had these, 
these gods that were kind of letting people through the veil and they would weigh your heart. And then there would be, there was a, there's a picture in the Egyptian where there's like a feather and there's a heart. And if your heart weighed more than the feather, then you went one way. And if it weighed less than the feather, you'd go on a higher path. Mm. And and it really, he told me, he describes this as, the goal is to remove all these energies from your heart so it weighs less. And so you kind of like release all the baggage and so that the feather uh, doesn't weigh that much. And so then um, you go just kind of like a higher elevation because of that. So I think we're here to kind of like dump things, you know, like, and um, the healing of the heart for sure is very important. I think we need to become a heart centric society to see really what we could do as human beings and kind of let go of like, like all heady, like it's all the head, you know, and like, you know, it's all about my needs and, and, uh, I'm willing to take down my brother so I can get ahead in life. Like that's, that, that stuff's got to go. And if you want to know how bad it can get with that type of mindset, look around you, check out the news for 30 minutes. That's what our, yeah, the 30 (laughs) seconds, that's literally where our, um, just our ego and our head has taken us. So if you don't like what you see around you, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't like what you see around you, then you need to change what's inside of you. It starts with you. And if you change you, it's just like the podcast, you change your home, then you change the city, then you change the country, then you change the world. And so, um, I'm so grateful that you came down here and to share what you do and kind of like how you're helping people, but more importantly, just for you being you, you know, and like, um, I, I don't honor a role. I don't honor like, Hey, look, look at all these things you are. I honor you just because you are divine. You know, people who come in here are divine. Um, people who are listening, if you're listening right now, you know, you're divine. And, uh, I'm always honored to be around divinity, you know? And so, um, yes, so thank you for being here and we will put all your information down there. So people want to reach out to you if they want to message you. I know this is going to be a great podcast for people to listen to. Uh, any final thoughts you want to put out there before we close it out? Oh, man, I don't know if I've gotten anything. I feel like I've talked a lot. So, yeah, I just, I actually just real quick want to say one thing. If if I can get, and I know people say this all the time, but if I can get where I was in an emotional space four years ago, I mean, I was literally losing everything. Our home that we built for our family, I didn't have the money, hadn't worked. I was a stay-at-home mom, had no idea how I was going to provide for my kids because what I was getting in support wasn't enough to support and all the things, all the things. And I'm laying on my floor in my closet and I'm thinking, what do I have to offer my kids? If I can't offer them this these things, this this home and these vacations, if I can't offer them these things and and I have no family around to support me, and it's just me, what do I really have to offer them? What is just me that's offering them? And for the first time ever in my life, I had this thought process of maybe I should just end this life experience. And I called a friend who happened to have answered before the first ring even went through on my end. She was a 30-minute drive away, and she said, stay on the phone. I'm coming to you. And she came to me and she came into my house, into my closet where I was laying on the floor and she laid down beside me and she said, even in your most desperate moment, even your sobs are beautiful. And I will never forget that she said that to me. And I felt like that one line was just enough that whatever it took to keep my nose above water and just to keep floating or treading water or whatever it was, I didn't even feel like I had a life raft 
half the time. I didn't even feel like my nose was above water half the time. And some days I still have those moments because I'm still human and that's okay because we're still human. It's what do we do with the thought processes? And there will be that one person who reaches out. And if that one person is you, that's enough because this one life, your one life is worth it. And your one void of not being here is a mass rippling effect for thousands, millions of people, for generations past and future. It's massive. If I can come from a space where I was just four years ago to being in this space where I am right now, where I feel completely fulfilled and happy and I can say I'm my own best friend. I can say that I love me. And if I choose to hang out with anybody, I'm choosing myself first. I choose myself first every time. And I could not even say that a year and a half ago. That has made all the difference for me. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Find your one person to reach out to. Don't wait for someone to reach out to you. I had to reach out. I had to make that phone call and that person was there. So I don't even know what like the overall message is to that, but um, we've got it. Whatever it is that we need, we've got it. We can do it. We can do it. And we're not always doing it alone. We need to be doing it collectively. Well, that's the best way to end it right there. So um, thank you for that message. Um, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for um, your journey and sharing it with us. Um, I always really believe that, you know, your test becomes a testimonial and it's what you're doing. You're, you're literally doing it right now. And uh, all the people that are listening in are going like, wow, I've been in that situation and you found hope, you know? And uh, I, I always tell people that like, I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a hope dealer, you know, and, uh, uh, we give hope. So that way you can say, I can do it too. So, um, so thanks for tuning in. And, uh, you know, I was in my podcast saying this, where I say, you know, the world has a false notion where I'll take care of you if you take care of me. But if we just take care of ourselves, then we can change our home. We can change our city. We can change the country and we can eventually change the world. So thanks for tuning in and uh, look forward to, um, continuing to interview some great, amazing people, just like you heard, And I look forward to adding more value. So talk to you guys soon.